to the mystical realm of things that make you go woo. I'm your host, Emily, also known as Emily and Her Stars, an evolutionary astrologer, psychic medium, an insightful 6-4 projector who specializes in channeling cosmic messages that will unlock the boundless potential within you. When I'm not working with my amazing clients, I'm on a quest to unravel the sacred mysteries and ancient origins of the woo. Join me as we explore the rich tapestry of history, unfolding current events, captivating interviews, and sacred wisdom in the monthly energy reports. Brace yourself because this podcast is all about making you go woo too. Hello everyone, I'm Emily from Emily and Her Stars and Things That Make You Go Woo. And I'm Andrea from Concrete and Crystals and Spirit Crumbs. We are so excited to be back today recording our annual Year Ahead Outlook, Forecast, Horoscope, Preview, all the things. And we're going to be looking in this episode at the first half of 2024. We in the past have had so much fun recording hours long episode, but decided that as a gift to you, our listeners, we would actually tackle 2024 in two parts. So this first half is going to be January through June, and we're calling it Gaining Light as we move from winter solstice to summer solstice. I am very excited for this new tradition because I think I also feel that it'll be easier for people to absorb the information. I think when we know the whole year outlook, it can be overwhelming. And this is a way to just kind of focus half the year at a time. You know, the rest of the year is later us, future us problem. This is just less to worry about, I think. Exactly. It makes the year feel a little less overwhelming. And I really think it's going to kind of play out between the two eclipses. So we're going to talk the first eclipse season happening in the end of March, beginning of April. And then we'll leave that other eclipse for the second episode. We'll get to that part later this year. But we're excited to bring this. It's going to be an interesting year. And we talked about 2023 being the year of what if, all the possibilities. What if, what if all sorts of things could happen? What if we experienced our boundaries? What if we took chances? What if we did the internal work that we needed to? And it was also the year of the water rabbit and a seven year. So as we're moving into 2024, the first thing we really wanted to discuss was like the fact that this is the year of the wood dragon. Now, this is Chinese astrology. And so the year of the wood dragon doesn't technically start until February 10th of 2024 and goes through January 29th of 2025. So we still are under the influence of the water rabbit for about another 30-ish days, give or take from when you listen to this recording. Now... The dragons come about once every 12 years. It's the only mythological creature in the Chinese zodiac. And really, dragon years are about success, intelligence. It's quite an honor in Chinese culture to be born in a dragon year. And it's often associated with the energy of Aries. So this initiator, this energy of initiation, of starting, of breaking through to the other side. There's excitement and energy here. Now, wood dragons um, are particularly full of the energy and really dream of changing the world. 
Now, wood years end in four and five, so we will also have a wood year again next year. But this marks periods of accelerated growth. This is an opportunity for us as a society, as humanity, as a globe, to really take some big steps forward. Now, the last time we had a wood dragon year was actually 1964. This was the year we passed the Civil Rights Act in the United States. It was the year of Beatlemania that swept across North America. There was also the Soviet Union launching their first space flight that carried more than one person. So these are big, amazing things that happen, and it is entirely possible this is going to happen again. Wood dragons usher in power and authority. There's going to be shifts in leadership, both on a global scale and possibly even within your own communities. We're looking at innovation. Forward-thinking wood dragon really likes to embrace change likes to look at new ideas, really move the boundaries of what's conventional, what's, what new technologies can come to the front. There's going to be a little more drama. Dragon doesn't shy away from drama. So if things start to imitate theater in some ways, if you start to see people and complete just expressions of themselves, go with it. It's all about really letting yourself out there. And what comes from this is risk and reward. If you're willing to let yourself shine and walk out in this, you know, daredevil sort of energy, it can really be met with incredible reward if it happens in the right places at the right times. Impulsive gambles can maybe lead to detriments. So, you know, choose your crowd wisely. But this is definitely a year for type A people. This is all about innovation and how we're going to push through all of the the aspects and expectations that you have maybe withheld in the last year. You know, 2023 was more internal. It was reflective, introspective. And this year is about outward motions that are going to come from all of this time spent inward and looking at, you know, how to renew ourselves, how to work through things in new and transformational ways. So Really, Wood Dragon feels like a shedding of the old skin and getting ready to move into something new and exciting. I love the feeling of that. And I think it's interesting for me because I was born kind of in the middle of the two because I was born technically in the year of the rabbit because my birthday is before Chinese New Year. But my year, 88, was the year of the dragon. This year, 2024, is going to be an eight year in numerology, I'm just feeling a lot of that eight energy showing up in different ways already going into it. So I have a good feeling about it. I think it's going to be very intense, but as I think most of us can recognize, even years that have been very tense and intense in the last few years have brought about some changes or gave given us the opportunity to transform that maybe we wouldn't have had things just been going you know, with the status quo and moving along. And on that topic, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cycle of the um, nine-year cycle in numerology. But this year being an eight, the main keywords that I kind of came up with to describe it is independence, wisdom, and karma. Heavy on the karma, but we're going to go through, I'm just going to quickly go through why this exists so if you are talking about it in the terms of the world and like an overall theme and just the year itself you're adding up the digits in the year so if you add two 
obviously zero, and then two and four, you come up with eight. Two, two, and four is eight. And so if you want to figure out your personal year, then you add the digits of your birthday, not your birth year. You, all you're doing is swapping out the year as if you were born this year. So for me, I have a very easy one because I have a single digit for both. So a one plus a four is a five. So if I add a five to the eight, then mine would be a four, which is actually my also my life path number in numerology as well. So you just add up the individual digits and then that will tell you what your personal year is. And I wanted you to be, have, be able to pause here if you want to look it up for yourself because I'm just going to tell what the main couple themes are for the, I'm going to start at nine because it kind of explains it and go around until we get to eight and then do a little bit more of a deep dive. But the idea is that we're always changing it. Every year is a new opportunity and we're taking what we learned from the previous year and kind of like adding it on. And then there's change that happens like alchemy. Every time you add two energies together, you get something new. And so the idea is that you're taking the previous year with you and adding a bit new of new energy and then moving along in this cycle. And we talk a lot even in tarot, like you get around the major arcana and you come back to the zero to the fool again. You go from the world to the fool. So we see this in most modalities when we're talking about trying to learn more about ourselves or the energy of the world. And it's not any different in numerology. So if we start at the nine, the what I like about the description of the nine in this one book that I have is that because in tarot, we do acknowledge the zero, we acknowledge the fool, we acknowledge that it's that like between the two energies thing. But in numerology, we tend to just reduce everything down to either a one or a nine. And we don't really acknowledge the zero. But in this book, he talks about how the nine holds the old and the new at the same time. And it does have remnants of the previous year moving into it. And then the nine is like the peak year. It's like when all the change is happening and getting put into motion. But it also is acknowledged that that carries into the next few years. And there's actually a, a piece in this book. So I'm going from the complete book of numerology by David A. Phillips. That's the one I reference the most. But he talks about how you can see influences of this up until year three. And I actually have witnessed that because I'm in going into a four. Last year was a three. So if I think about the year 2020 and moving along, everything that I'm experiencing now coming into this next year, wrapping up my year three, it's true. It all was influenced from that initial nine to one year. Everything has been gradually moving through in the cycle, but it's kind of all one big sweeping movement. So if you're in any of those years from a nine to three, you may still be feeling like you're in that major transition, just experiencing it in a new way. So if we then go to the one, the word that came up for me is adjustment. It's like adjusting to this change. And it's also a year of growth and learning to express yourself in this new way. You've been through this change. You're starting over in that way as like a new version of yourself. Then you go into a year two and it's about spiritual growth and sharing. Sharing was the word that came up for me there. You're sharing things. You're like, okay, now how do I share my wisdom as this version of myself? How do I process internally all of the outward changes I've had the last couple of years? And it's also, of course, because it's a two, a year of partnership as well. So it may be a year that you're forming new relationships or learning more through relationships. Year three is a mental journey. It's more of like a seeking. You may be learning a lot. You may be connecting with people to learn more. 
and you're learning what mental power you've kind of harnessed from that internal journey the year before. Then year four, which I'm going into now, is the year, a year of consolidation. There's two of these in the cycle, but this is kind of an interesting year. Emily is also, and we're both earth signs, so this should be interesting. But in the four year, it's one of rest and stability. So you're kind of, you've gone through all this mental energy the year before. You've been processing a lot. It may feel like you were busy all year in a three year, but you're like, I didn't actually make any big changes. It was just that I was mentally going through the change. I, I, I feel like it, it has a menopause energy to me where it's like, I'm going through the change. I, I was experiencing a lot. I, it was burning up all year. But then this four year, you're finding stability. Oh. I actually am in menopause. So that's equally as funny. Thank you. <laughs> so Emily is getting extra of this energy right now. But I feel like in order to create stability, it means you have to clear things out. And if you think about it, four is half of eight. And we're saying eight is a karma year, right? So we're, we're halfway there. So in order to keep moving forward, we have to be like, okay, we spent those three years kind of bringing up new stuff, but how much of it is actually useful? Like, what do I actually need going forward? Because I'm tired. And we went through a lot mentally. I don't want any more mental drama. I just want the basics. That's where we're at. So you don't make any wild changes in a four-year usually. You may implement things you've started in the last few years and just confirm them, commit to them. But then as you move through the year, you're like, okay, now we're stable. Now we're bored. So then we go into the five-year and that is a year of freedom and change. And this is where you start like trying new things. It's still kind of a spiritual mental journey because now you're like, you're in your material world usually in the four year, like creating like your financial foundations and like, where do I live? Who am I with? That kind of thing. But this five years, like what's exciting to me now? What do I want to explore? What do I want to do? Do I want to move? Do I want to travel? That kind of energy. Then we get into the sixth year, which is very creative. It's like, okay, now that I've done some exploring, I have all this new inspiration that I'm bringing back. And now I'm back home. So a lot of it is like that might be a year that you decide to renovate or, you know, move somewhere in a nicer house or like redecorate. But it also is like where you want to put energy, your energy into something physical again. You're back in the physical world. And then when we get to the seven year, which as a collective we're coming out of, 2023 has been a seven year. It's a year of focus. It's another, this is the other consolidation year where we're on an inner journey, but we're also like, okay, what's not resonating anymore? What is just needing to be released? What are we getting rid of? And it also is a year where we're probably teaching some of the wisdom because it, it is also a year of rest as well. So in the four year, the seven year, we're doing a lot of resting. We're kind of trying to slow down in order to see what needs to be released. Because if we keep moving, we're bringing everything in like a tornado with us. But when you stop and it all falls, you're like, what is this garbage that's been in my energy this whole time? And so that's where we have been in the collective. And if you look at the year we just had, there's a lot of things that have come into our awareness because we all stopped long enough to see what was actually happening. We all had our awareness out. We were all seeking some sort of spiritual growth as well. And so then we come to the eight year, which we are going into now. And so this is like double the four. It's a year of wisdom where we're again outwardly sharing what we've been learning. And there's transformation that happens in that because again, we're now aware of what no longer is resonating and we're 
getting close to that peak nine year again that I was saying everything kind of revolves around that like beginning and end. We're getting sucked back into the vortex very soon. We're in the last year of like, okay, what do I want to make sure is stable? What do I, what am I calling in right now that I want to take with me into that next journey of growth? Now we're going into an eight year. And one of the things with the karma is that it's the rewards for all of this work. Like we're not doing all this work for nothing. We do get rewarded. And so this is kind of what we're stepping into now. And I've been feeling that Emily and I have been saying this for a few months now where we do feel like we're on the other side of the chaos and it's going to start coming in, but it still involves transformation. It's the energy of Scorpio, Pluto, even though it's numbers, it still relates to astrology. So if we're in the eighth house, we're in the death, sex and other people's money, as some people would say too. So that's where the windfalls might come in. That's where you might have unexpected money come in. You may have somebody reach out who wants to invest in what you're doing, but it's still slow and steady. There's still that even four number of like, we still want stability at this point. We know what the what chaos is, that there's going to be chaos coming, coming. So for now, we are trying to have stability. But unlike the four year where I feel like it is more about the complete slowdown and like just like organizing things, it's still an active year. If you look at the eight sideways, it's the infinity symbol. It's always moving. But there is an energy where like you can't get too comfortable in an eight year because you don't know what's coming. The, th the thesis that I am trying to share here, which is bringing together uh, the last six months, actually, of our podcast episodes is if we remember, I started with the 17 and hope and now we're ending with an eight. And I, I literally had this realization today that if you add the one and the seven of the 17, you get an eight. You have this fresh thing that you want, this new thing you want, the seven, you go on this journey. We just went through a seven year. We go on this journey trying to figure out what wisdom we can gather in order to and what spiritual energy we can harness in order to have to make that happen. If we think of the spectrum I was talking about between the chariot and rest, those two things also being seven energies and then coaxing it together, you add that together, we get the eight. We get the manifestation. We have the abundance come in. Eight is a number of abundance. And I think that's where we're headed. And I think we've been seeing hints of this this year, but we haven't fully felt it. But I feel like it was like this realization I had when I sat down to actually be like, what is an eight? You know, like what is the pieces of it? And I started realizing if you look at the chakras too, the one is the root chakra where we feel stable. The seven is the crown. Add that together, you get eight. And if you do that with any of the chakra combinations, you know, you got four plus four is like extra heart energy. And I think if we talk about that energy of like stillness, stability, like doubling that energy is how I felt about the eight. The six and the two is the sacral and the third eye. That's what I was trying to feel into is like receiving that spirit energy and then knowing what to do with that creatively. And then the three and the five is taking the confidence of the solar plexus and sharing it with the throat. So that is my long thesis, but culminating in the fact that hope brings us our manifestations. That's literally the message that we've been trying to get at all year that it took me until now to realize. I'm really excited. That breaks it down beautifully. I appreciate that you went all the way around because even with the abundance and optimism I feel coming in with an eight year, it's going to take us standing up and being leaders to either in some ways demand the respect to call into what is ours, right? It's that dragon energy. If you want it, you got to make it happen. And 
that's where part of this energy, I think, for 2024 is like transcendent leadership, right? What are you going to do to be the leader in your own life? And it doesn't hurt that the North and South nodes are transiting Aries and Libra. We're really getting, we had a preview of it in November, and it's going to really color our lens for all of 2024. So what does that mean? What does that look like to be in charge yourself? But also, what does it mean for the people we look up to? Who are we expecting to be in charge? I think that chances are there are going to be people that are going to step in from out of nowhere. This feeling of like, oh, that person wasn't even on the radar as a leader. And now all of a sudden, you know, they are saying all the right things. They're they're standing in their power in a brand new way. And suddenly we maybe find ourselves respecting someone completely new um, and out of left field. So I think that is going to be really interesting. We talk about I'm going to talk about a lot of energy with Uranus and Jupiter and Taurus. And Ella Fitzgerald is a famous Taurus woman. And she said, it isn't where you come from. It's where you're going that counts. And I think that's a really important quote for all of 2024. And then, you know, we've got other things on the horizon. We've got Pluto that's going to be moving back into Aquarius. And so what does this look like in terms of unidentified aerial phenomenon? That's what they are now, UAPs. We also have climate change. We've got some really radicalized ideas and ideologies. We've got global wars and gun violence still. Like we're kind of at this pivotal breaking point where what is our karma going to move things into? What is this going to change for us? Now, most of 2024's planetary alignments are a continuation of transits that began in 2023. So like I said, the lunar nodes remain in Aries and Libra. Saturn is going to continue through Pisces. And Pluto does its little one foot in, one foot out, do-si-do between Capricorn and Aquarius. So really, until Jupiter leaves Taurus and moves into Gemini in late May, we're not going to feel a lot of change right away. We might even feel a little stagnant and frustrated. And I think that familiarity will be, yes, it will be a gentler way for us to experience the new year. But when things finally do start moving, it shows that they're going to be a condensed, fast timeline, how quickly things will start to finally come in. So wait, we had the introspective seven year and now it's all about this external thrust really towards progress. Now, the other aspect that I'm really paying a lot of attention to this year is Chiron, right? That wounded healer. And it always hangs out between Aquarius and Saturn and kind of radical Uranus out there. Symbolized by a key, it helps us unlock the wisdom gained from our hardships and the things that trigger us. But it really, it's going to make its presence known in April. Big, big, big time. On the 8th, it's going to sit right next to the solar eclipse that is going to be visible over much of the United States and some of Canada. Now, with the sun, the moon, and Chiron lining up in Aries, don't forget Aries is the sign of the warrior, that transcendent leader, this Chiron eclipse, right, could really initiate an awe-inspiring global event or a scientific breakthrough. It's going to be a very powerful month. We'll get into some of that energy a little bit more. 
But the other reason this is so pivotal is because on April 20th, the United States is going to have their exact Chiron return. So this is the point where Chiron swings back to 20 degrees and seven minutes of Aries, which is the exact location when the Declaration of Independence was signed. And then to add insult to injury in some way, (laughs) there's also a conjunction with Jupiter and Uranus in Taurus on the same day. So everything about April is pushing us into new dimensions, into new, better versions of ourselves, really taking a look at what we're willing to leave in balance and what we're willing to push karmically through in order to find a new, better balance in some way. Yeah, there's definitely an intense energy when you're talking about that. And I think the fact that April is the fourth month and we've been talking about that relationship between the four and the eight, like there's a lot of numerology that I'm feeling for this year. And I think that's part of it. Like I was saying, like, I'm going to be in a four year and Emily is as well in an eight year globally. And there is a lot of play back and forth, I feel, between those two energies. So it's going to be super interesting to see where we are by April and like how that's going to impact each person who's in a different year cycle personally, and then collectively how that's going to show up. I think, yeah, that's going to be a pivotal moment for all of us. So I don't know if you have anything you'd like to add before I get into January when we start this breakdown, Emily. No, I'm excited to hear what cards you pull. And we're going to do one tarot per month for this first six months. And then after Andrea gives her synopsis, I will just sort of touch on the key points of the major transits that'll be happening that kind of gives some of that flavor. I am excited to hear how this goes. I always am every time we do this, but also I decided I was going to add a little bit of numerology for each month too. So I have something that's a little more structured than my tarot as well, but I love this book. Again, same book. I'll put it in the show notes, but he actually breaks down for each year. So like an eight year, it's supposed to be for personal. We're going to use it for the world, but it gives each month and what that energy will look like because each month of every year is also part of the cycle. There's also that like 12 month cycle within the year cycle. So for January, the tarot card that I pulled was the Ace of Cups, which is very optimistic actually to be starting for the year. And I was like, I will take it. It's a one. It's the first month of the year. And this card really feels like just overflowing with love and like being in love with life is like the energy I was feeling around it. It can often mean like romance or friendship, new connections. It can also be, I think, meeting yourself in a new way. That's the way I'm feeling it. I think in the new year, we all kind of get that kick to be like, who am I? What am I doing? But it can also be a really positive thing of like a new chapter, a new starting, a new beginning. And I think starting it with this loving energy, because each ace in each suit has a different feeling. The Ace of Cups is predominantly about love and healing and having an open heart. So I think if we start the year with that energy, even if there's some challenging moments, if we have that as like our base, I think it's a really positive way to go into it. And I think also the other piece I wanted to bring into this is that there's healing and self-acceptance with this card as well, that like self-love. And that it actually creates expansion. It allows us to open our hearts more. When we open our hearts to ourselves, we open them outward as well. And then in the numerology for the January and a year eight, 
that I'll read it verbatim. It's new financial benefits will flow this month, as will abundant new ideas. Learn to express these ideas to those who might be interested in them to encourage essential feedback. This provides an excellent opportunity for evaluation so long as your ego does not intrude by identifying with the ideas. And I think this, the word flow, the fact that it talks about benefits flowing into the month, I think that can be part of it. So that overflowing cup of the ace of cups can also be like an overflowing of abundance and all of the things that make life happy. So I think that idea of being in love with life incorporates this like new financial abundance, new ideas, new connections, all kind of flowing together. I think that makes a lot of sense. We start off the first of the month right away on the third with Mercury stationing direct in Sagittarius. So it'll be the end of Mercury retrograde and Aquarius and starts moving back through the energy of the tail end of November, first part of December. We will notice that our mind is getting caught back up. We're getting excited again. We will have that fiery inspiration. Then we have Mars entering Capricorn on the 5th. This means our actions are going to be really rooted in tasks, really feel like we are motivated to take care of things, to get back into the groove, to simplify, put the decorations away, get back on track, all of those feelings. Now, Mercury will then finally enter Capricorn, which is where it started at the beginning of retrograde on the 15th. So this too will help bring your mindset to clarity and focus. You'll feel a little bit less like every squirrel and shiny object is exciting. <laughs> Now, the sun will enter Aquarius on the 21st this year, and the very next day on the 22nd, Pluto is going to enter Aquarius. Now, Pluto is one of our big conversations this year in astrology. Last year was the first time, and we did it very briefly for about six weeks, we dipped in and out of Aquarius from Capricorn. And what I found fascinating about that transit last year was it was literally the days when we lost banks again. We hadn't talked about banks failing in years. And all of a sudden, as soon as Pluto jumped back and forth in and out of Capricorn, sure enough, there went the banks. So we are exiting Capricorn. It will be in Aquarius until later this year. So you don't have to worry about it right now. But this is really giving us a much longer preview of what energies are going to be coming in for us as a collective. What are we breaking down? When Pluto first went into Capricorn in 2008, right, this was mortgage crisis, then financial institutions, all of these things. We had to really look at our government, all of these political parties, things that we've been breaking down, Me Too movements, all these things. What the age of Aquarius, and that's what we're really describing with this transit, is that we're really going to embark on a super new 20-year period where we are examining technology. We're also going to look at, you know, revolutions, uprising, radical changes in possibly government. We're talking about aliens. Last year during Pluto in Aquarius, we had a huge disclosure from the United States government talking about like, yeah, we actually do have bodies and things and it kind of slid under the radar and nobody talked about it. Will that come back up this year? I suspect we'll have more information. Could the elections be disrupted by artificial intelligence? That's something we're looking at. Um, cryptocurrency can also make a comeback this year because it's part of this otherworldly idea. And essentially looking really hard at what does artificial intelligence look like? What are we willing 
to do with it? How do we harness its power in really responsible ways? So all of those things will be coming up with Pluto and Aquarius. Then we have Venus moving into Capricorn on the 24th. This again will give you sort of that grounded place to move from in terms of what brings you joy. What do you need to feel fulfilled? A lot of us need some stability in that arena. And then at the end of the month, on the 28th, we have Uranus stationing direct. And we're going to talk about Uranus in Taurus a little bit more coming up. It's going to be one of the big players in April as well. But it has been shaking up financial institutions um, since 2018. And having it sort of positioned direct here, this could give us some good outlook of what happened during the holiday season. I think we'll get good spending report information and a better overall feeling like the economies are going to be okay. <laughs> don't have to panic so much. I can definitely feel how that energy is reflected because that energy of Venus and Uranus are the financial, the personal coming together in that use of cups. And as we go into February, one thing I just want to note is that of all the cards that I pulled, four out of six of them were major arcana. So even though I didn't throw them back in, I, I didn't put any cards back. But what I was feeling is that even though there's some pretty positive cards, I think there's an intensity to them where like it's they may be very positive, but probably we're going to have to push through a lot. That karma is going to be really heavy in each of them. Like this can come through. If you're willing to work for it, fight for it, all of those energies, that's kind of something that I just remembered seeing this one, because in February, we have the moon, which is number 18, has a one and an eight in it. So I do feel like we're in that energy a little bit. But what it talks about is in this card, it's like really sinking into that abyss of the subconscious, the intuition, fully leaning into that and connecting back in with your intuition, because we've been outward and out in the holidays and Maybe January is that continuation of like, what am I doing with my money? Who am I connecting with at the bank? Who am I talking to in my family? Doing that year in review, like what Emily was saying, like going over the holidays in your head. But then going back into yourself, it's this idea of like surrender where there's uncertainty and, and maybe we're not really sure what's going to happen. The best way to find answers is to go back within yourself and see like, do I need an answer for this right now? Or like, do I already know the answer for this right now? The other piece that really stood out to me was that when you're in that depth, that's where you find the spark again for like the creativity and the new things. That intuition also does bring you the spark, even though it's a very watery card. It also does bring the spark back. It's like going from Pisces to Aries is the feeling that I get, because if in tarot, when you go from the 18, the moon, you go to the sun next in 19. And so that's a, a fire energy. And so that's what I'm feeling is like that. Pisces to Aries transition. And then in the numerology for it, the February in a year eight says, your intuition is especially poignant this month, but it only becomes of value when acted upon. So many opportunities will avail themselves that your intuitive guidance is needed to distinguish what are the most important to you now. It is also a powerful month for the strengthening of partnerships, both in love and commerce. And this I blew my mind because I didn't even decide to do these until about an hour before we started recording. And the fact that this really summarizes the Ace of Cups and the Moon, that's all water energy, but there's this like Venus energy in there. There's the spark of this like um, creativity. There's the idea of like finances getting put into that flow. And it just feels like February is going to be that month where like 
we are in that like Aquarius zone, moving into Pisces. There's all of these mixtures that I just can feel so potently in that moon energy. And it also makes a nine if we add the one and the eight together. And it feels like we're closing out that like cycle. That's spot on, really. And you have to think that as we're moving into the month, we've got Venus and Capricorn. We've got Mercury just barely in Capricorn for the first four or five days. On the fifth, Mercury will push into Aquarius. And I think it's going to have an extra impact due to the fact that Pluto is now also transiting that. It's going to be even more in our awareness, how our communities are working and not working as we start to see sort of systems uptick and get back in the flow of things after the holidays. We have Mars entering Aquarius on the 14th. That's going to continue to give that emphasis. And then Venus hits it on the 17th. So by mid-February, you're going to be all Aquarius. And what also happens with that, it's an outward energy. Aquarius is very yang. It wants to be out and doing the things. You're going to then hit Pisces season on the 20th, and it's going to feel like you want to withdraw and pull in. I suspect, too, there will be some of that end of the season weather, end of the um, winter weather that might drive us inward where we thought, oh, we're ready to go. Look at all these amazing things. And now we're like under four feet of snow. Entirely possible. Um, Mercury also enters Pisces on the 24th. And so it feels like yes to going and doing and also finding that balance with your intuition. Just like the moon, there's a light side and a dark side. Make sure you are taking care of yourself through that energy of the month and harnessing really both sides of the light and the dark. I love that. I don't often think about that light side, dark side of the moon thing. So that actually is a really good insight to have with that energy. So in March, this was a fun one that I know we're all going to love because we've been talking about this for a while. But for March, I pulled the star. Yet again, this energy of hope, the 17. The one and the seven being an eight. We're going back one because the moon is 18. We're going back to, to 17 here in March. And this is the spark. This is that spark that we get from that going down to the depths. And we're pulling the spark back out again. And we're like, wait a second. We had to go backwards a little bit to get there. But we're like, hang on. Wasn't the whole point of this deep dive to get to the spark? Wasn't that where we started here? And it's this reminder. And I couldn't believe it when I went into the book because I know this energy so much that I was like, do I need the book for this one? Let's just take a gander. Why don't we? We're already here. And you know what? I almost peed my pants because I just put out an episode. So we're recording this in mid-December for reference, but I just did an episode on miracles. And there's an affirmation with, with each card in the Lightseer's Tarot. And the one for the star is I expect miracles. And I was like, this is wild, but it makes sense for me energetically when I feel into it because we take that spark from the moon and then we trust. There's that energy of hope and trust. And they use the word serendipity too, which I totally forgot. One of my favorite words in movies of all time, but there is this energy of serendipity where like if you go within yourself and reconnect with that spark of what it is you truly want, then that's a magnet for that if you allow it to be in your awareness because we can only call in what's in our awareness. And so there's this really strong feeling of just looking to spirit to help us bring that through. Again, we go back to that one being the new thing, seven being spirit and that inner wisdom. And you pull it together and you get the eight, you get the manifestation. It starts to come in. 
And with this being like, you know, when we're thinking about spring Aries season, I just feel like there's a lot of energy connected to our purpose and releasing anything that we found down in the depths when we went in there and in the moon and we're like, where's that limiting belief coming from? I thought I got rid of that last time. And it's like this, like scrape in the bottom and clearing it out energy, which kind of made me laugh. Sometimes spirit will give me like visual references like this. And it was like, what is down here? Like, it's like a sunken ship that you're like, there's just garbage in this one. <laughs> like, I don't know why we're doing a tour of it. It was a very weird visual, but it was really making me feel into this energy of letting go. And then when you come back to the surface, really being anchored to that spark that you found down there. And I actually wrote down a quote from it, which again, I don't do often, but this one says, as you let go, you will focus on the future and you will find your biggest source of inspiration and love. And that is the energy that I want to keep moving with at this point, because as we go into April, as Emily said, we're going to need to hold on to that spark. We're going to need that string that's holding up to the stars. We're going to need to know that that's there. And when we read in here for March in a personal year eight or a year eight, it says guided by your intuition, you are more able to analyze and understand what is best from the many options now prevalent in your life. It is also a month in which your enjoyment of life finds a new high. Have fun with it. So let's do that while we can. If any little spark of light, it may be really difficult, but really savor those moments of joy when you feel like that synchronicity or that moment of serendipity. Like really hold on to those because we're going to need them. Yeah, this to me feels like the ramp up to the big event. Like if everyone wants to put on their daredevil outfit and get ready and start checking the systems, that's what March is about. We start with Mercury entering Aries on March 11th. So the first part of the month, we're still in that dreamy Pisces, Aquarius energy. But then all of a sudden, we're like ready to start saying things that have been under our skin. We're ready to come out of our cocoons in some way and Maybe your boundaries are getting pushed. I always feel like March and Aries season comes in with the frustrations that we've maybe felt while we've been at home, under snow, all of these things. We're like, yeah, just primed and ready to say the things. Then we have Venus entering Pisces on the 12th. So the day after Mercury goes into fire, Venus goes into water. And so all of a sudden, our feelings are hurt. Our emotions are boiling right there at the surface. And our intuition is on like level 10. So all of a sudden, you know the unsaid things that are happening in the room without really having anyone tell you. The sun will enter Aries on March 21st. This is really going to start to ignite spring. Of course, this is the equinox and part of us that celebrates the return of light as we're continuing to gain. We've hit that equal period. Mars will then enter Pisces on the 23rd. So now your actions are also in, in tune with your emotions. So where your mind might really want to be pushing through things, your heart and your actions are going to want things to be a little slower, a little more withdrawn in some ways. And then really all bets are off when we hit the lunar eclipse in Libra on the 25th. Now keep in mind, this is the first of two eclipse seasons that we're going to have. And this particular cycle 
as we're moving through Aries and Libra, this is the first time we're experiencing both of those energies together. Last fall, we had a little bit of a hybrid. We had Taurus and Libra together. This time, it's really all about the extremes. This is partnership power, outage problems, right? This is really going to be tricky to navigate in some ways because we've got this full moon and Libra, which is all about harmony and making relationships and partnerships work. But then we've got this eclipse energy that is hinging on the tension, bringing to light the relationships that aren't working, bringing to your awareness things that may have been hidden in that dark side of the moon in some way. So if you're waiting for things to blow over, they could actually instead blow up. This is not an opportune moment to ignore what you've been ignoring. Face some of these things head on because there really can be positive surprises. Relationships, partnerships where you have allowed yourself to maybe go unseen or unheard. Suddenly the work you've been putting in is going to pay off in some way. So this does feel like that star moment at the beginning of eclipse. Oh, I love that. And it's interesting because I was just looking at the next card for April, which is the six of wands. And I love this card. It's a card of victory and celebration. But what I was really feeling into is the fact that Aries is a fire sign and wands is a fire suit. And six, I always see as a number of balance. And so it has kind of a Libra energy to it. So when you put it together, you can see how it, they can be hermit, but it will involve you needing to make decisions to get there. And I think it, it's heavy on the fire this time, I think, as opposed to the six being the guiding factor, which it often is when it, this gets pulled. I really feel like this is the opportunity to be seen. And I think when we think about the eclipses, for some people, it's wildly good. Amazing miracles can happen. For some people, it's crash and burn. You never really know. And that's where that energy is feeling to me. Like if we're talking about this major arcana influence that we have going through, the 16 is the tower. And so 17 is the star, the hope after. 18 is the moon. You go within. 19, you're in the sun. You're shining again. We keep fluctuating on this. We never fully get to the justice in the world in this cycle right now. I feel like we're going to have to wait a little while. But I think for the next even couple of years, we're going to be going between that like 16 to 19 and getting the glimpses of the star and the sun and kind of floating for the next while. But particularly the energy of Six of Wands, the way it usually shows up is being a time of being seen being celebrated. So if you are really pushing through and you're making decisions, you're putting up boundaries, you're putting yourself out there, it's a time to be in community, to let people see you, to connect with them. And accepting success will see more of it is one of the energies in this card. And I think if we think of the wands being kind of a, the five of wands is like chaos and kind of like competition, a lot of energy, a lot of things happening, a lot of sticks in the air. And the six is when you land it, you stick the landing and you really get there. So you may be feeling the influence of the five a little bit still. But the idea is that like you're also fighting because you know that other people need your wisdom. And you, if you don't push it and get it out there, no one's going to come and ask you for it. That's the energy I feel around it is like the victory is if you claim it for yourself, you'll be celebrated once it's out there. But no one's going to pull you out to be like, 
putting you in the spotlight. You have to kind of do that for yourself in this energy and really trust yourself in this month because there's going to be a lot happening around you. That five of wands, I think, is going to be the chaos around you. But the six of wands is you standing in your own energy and being like, maybe you're going to all of a sudden the crowd goes quiet and you realize there's someone booing you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you never know who maybe isn't clapping for you. But it's interesting because in the numerology for this, April in a year eight, is a powerful financial period starts this month. If you act with wisdom, it will set a highly profitable tone for the rest of the next few years. But be sure to allow time in your busy schedule for loved ones. And I think this is kind of the same energy because it's saying like, yes, you can celebrate in community, but you have to put yourself out there to do that. You also do need to be focused. You also need to be very clear and like that you're not doing it for the other people. You're not letting other people lead you into what they think you should be doing. It's you saying, I'm doing this, come along or don't. And whoever's still around and is actually cheering, you spend time with those people and put your energy there because there's just going to be so much going on that you can only put your energy in so many places. So why not put it in your own best interest? It's interesting as you were talking about that, what comes to my awareness is how many times I think the transition from Pisces to Aries gets lost. It feels like, what is, how do we move from this house of spirituality, this feeling of the depths that we feel in Pisces where I believe and all of these things, and then suddenly we're in Aries and it's just like very primal, it's warrior, courage, all these things. Well, what we forget, and I think is so important when we're in wintering season, is all of the internal work it takes before you can really step out, before you can ignite that passion and feel the courage and the excitement to move in the direction that is best for you. So that blending of these two energies is going to be really present because we've still got Mars in Pisces for the entire month of April. So your actions are really going to be from this kind of emotional what feels good, it maybe isn't even rational. I talk all the time. We want our emotions to be rational and they're just not sometimes. So right at the beginning of the month, April 2nd, Mercury is going to station retrograde in Aries. The big question mark that comes up with this is who's actually in charge, right? We don't know. Is it me? Is it you? Am I in charge of me? Am I in charge of you? There's a lot of questions that are going to come up with this. A lot of confusion. Then on the fourth, we're going to have Saturn and Neptune conjunct with the eclipse. And the eclipse is partially in Pisces. This is a lot of watery, boundary bending information, right? Neptune shifts consciousness. Saturn wants blueprints. It wants things to move forward into tangible form. And so when this happens and they're going to be moving in this energy together until February of 2026, what happens in when they move together in Aries is just things are going to get cloudy. They're going to get foggy. There's going to be a lot of miscommunication, wanting to move forward, but needing the plans, but not being able to see the plans. This can get a little fuzzy. Then we're going to have Venus in Aries, like I was talking about on the 6th. The solar eclipse happens on the 8th. Now, this brings the energy 
of it's groundbreaking, right? Aries, as much as I always associate it with the ram, I always think of the icon as literally being a sprig of something growing, right? It's like the first sprout. The courage it takes to be the first sprout of grass, of anything to come out in the spring when you could get trampled on, you could freeze to death. Like it doesn't matter. That's the amount of energy it takes for Aries to push forward. And so having this total solar eclipse in Aries, it's really going to reveal areas in our leadership, areas in places where we look to people to lead us. There's going to be holes and those are going to come to light in some way or another power struggles. Really, it's a moment of are we willing to negotiate or are we just drawing lines in the sand? It can be sort of a hot-tempered part of April. And so I'm just putting it out there because it can be a time when you may want to retreat a little bit or you may not want to fight for what is coming up because it might feel easier to retreat in some way. On the 20th, we have the sun entering Taurus. And then we also have Jupiter and Uranus conjunct in Taurus on the same day. And this energy is going to be grounding. It's going to be stabilizing for us to find a way to make negotiations and move forward out of this energy. Because the frustration at this point is going to have reached kind of a boiling point. Jupiter and Uranus have been together in Taurus for the last year. And so this is where we've gotten some of the unstable economy. We also are going to have like the Olympics coming up, which could make things a little weird in a global way. And also where we might get someone unexpected that's going to start to step into the authority. I feel like this could be the turning point when that gets released in some way or another. Then we have Mercury stationing direct finally on the 26th. We'll be moving out of that crazy mental frustration area. And then Venus will enter Taurus on the 30th, which will again help to bring balance, peace, harmony, beauty. Let's reprieve ourselves a little bit with some self-care and slow down in some way. So yeah, it's going to be a busy month that April. Not to mention that Chiron is also conjunct that eclipse. There's going to be wounds. There's going to be hurt and pain points all coming to the surface. That is a lot of things happening simultaneously. And I think that's why this six was really going back. Is it a five? Is it a six? I don't know. It, it's a little chaotic. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think that makes even more sense why in May I pulled the chariot, the number seven, another major arcana. We're back to major arcana again, but we're going from six to seven. And that did feel significant. That did feel like, yes, we are moving forward at this point. So all of those energies you were talking about at the end of April there, I feel that's really pushing us into this chariot energy because it's like, okay, we're done with all of the will they, won't they energy. We're like, no, I am. I am doing this and I don't really care. And it's like that energy of, grounding it into reality again it's like we've been in our heads we've been all over the place we can talk about it all day but what are we doing like i cannot be in this energy anymore and what's really like kind of beautiful about the energy of this card is that in the light seers tarot one of the ways that she describes this energy 
is that like the universe is helping you to become who you want to be and that you have to say yes to opportunities that are coming in. So if we keep that perspective and tie it back to the 17, that like star card and keep that in mind, like what is your guiding light? Like what is it that you're trying to do? Who are you trying to be to get there? And if that is what you're taking action towards, then it's going to feel like things are moving with more alignment, more ease, and you'll be taking action that way as opposed to questioning everything. It's like we can only question so much before we're just asking ourselves the same questions and getting nowhere. The other thing that I feel really ties into those last few transits is the fact that I always see this card as bringing two different ideas or two different directions together to make them work. So this can be sometimes like if you have a relationship that you're trying to make work and new career changes, or just if you have two ideas and you want to do both of them, finding ways to, instead of the or, and that's some of the questioning ideal is like when you're saying or, then you're like, I have to choose one. And then you go into a whole spiral again. Whereas if you just say yes, and, and you're like, okay, let's see what happens if we try to do both of these, either one of them is going to drop off at some point, or we're going to get momentum and we'll be smooth sailing and the right people will come along to support us and spirit will support us. And like, that's kind of what I always feel around this energy. And it feels really strong. The other piece of it is that if you don't know which direction to go and you need to choose one or the other, then choose the one that lights you up. Choose the one that has that that's attached to that star. Choose the one that is actually going to make you excited to do it. Because if you choose the thing that you think you should do, that those people on the six of wands, those naysayers, the booers, if you do what they're telling you to do, you're not going to have the energy for it. You're going to end up back right where you are. And you're going to wish that you chose the other thing. And if you do choose the thing and it burns out, at least you'll know you tried it. And it won't be that thing you always wonder about. Because if we go back to last year's energy, which was a seven year, this is a seven, the chariot, the what if was a big part of it. And what if can be a good, positive thing if it's moving you forward to say, like, what if we just try this? But if you're saying, what if I did this? That's a very different energy. And I think we don't want to get stuck in that. And then in May of an eight year, it says a strong sense of freedom prevails this month, bringing with it many changes in your outlook. Endeavor to take every opportunity to enjoy your life, though you will probably be torn between commercial preoccupation and domestic desires. It is highly desirable to have a balance of the two, which is wild because like I said, I did not even decide to open this until like an hour ago. And the chariot, like I said, is always trying to drive in my energy. It's always trying to drive two things in the same direction. And it does take a lot of energy to balance that. So I think that's also the Aries Libra energy of like the self and other. And it's getting tied into this energy. So the seven is having a very fiery energy to me in this. And I think it's, hopefully moving us in the right direction. That feels spot on. I really like your perception on the driving two things simultaneously in the same direction and how much energy that takes. Because I think that's really what we're being pulled between that inner voice and that outer motion. And yeah, I love this. So Mars enters Aries on May 1st. And so finally, there's going to be some fire in our actions. We're going to feel like that some of the stagnation is gone, but we are also not willing to stand for what we have been in some ways. We're ready to make a change. Ironically, Pluto is going to station retrograde right away May 3rd. This has given us a tiny preview into some of the Aquarius energy, and so it will be backing through its progress before finally re-entering Capricorn for one final little piece here in the fall. 
But this is going to slow down some of those big changes that all of a sudden kind of came out of nowhere. This will help to eliminate some of that craziness. Now, Mercury is going to enter Taurus on May 16th. This is also going to bring a slowing to the mind. We're finally going to feel like some of those racing thoughts and ideas are actually going to be pushing us towards something, towards a resolution, towards a project. Then we have the sun entering Gemini on the 21st. This, I think, is a little bit of that duality energy as well. We always get this in Gemini season, the two pillars, the twins, this and that. And it's the idea that we can change our mind. We don't have to be so rigid and fixed in our beliefs, the opposite of Sagittarius, that we can change our mind because it feels good, because we want to, because it allows for space and change and the breakdown of information. Now, Venus also enters Gemini on the 24th. And then the really big thing happening in May is Jupiter entering Gemini on the 26th. Now, Jupiter has been in Taurus since about the 18th of 2023, so a little over a year. And when it moves into exciting Gemini, right, this is where we're going to start to feel like we might have to work harder to tap into that buoyant optimism and luck where we did have to, we aren't going to have to. There's going to be more optimism and luck ready for us in some ways. It's also going to have us kind of deal with the idea of what is progress. Do we have to clean up sort of the, the things that we did when our heads were down and doing the work? Now, how do we deal with that? How do we make our networks more manageable? Things that could happen during this, like don't be surprised if all of a sudden there's a lot more misinformation or information starts coming from multiple sources in different ways. Again, playing up the idea of communication and duality. So having the time to get clear on who you are, what you believe, what are your core values is going to play into how much Jupiter will throw you off, of course, because it's going to expand everything when it comes to communication in one way or another. I love this because our last month of the first half of our Gaining Light series is June. And everything you just described is exactly where I was feeling the energy for June as we're deep into Gemini season. The card is the number five. Again, another major arcana. We're at the Hierophant. And this is the teacher. I always think throat chakra with the Hierophant. And the whole energy behind this card is that, yes, there's traditions and there's traditional knowledge. There's, you know, patterns we've been in for a long time. but who says that we have to keep doing that? And if we go back to that internal energy of like, what is truth to me? Truth is a big theme in this. And what is truth to me means maybe I don't need to follow everything this person that I've been following says. Maybe I have my own ideas of what that means to me. What if there's an expansion that happens when you do lean into your own truth and you ground it into a new reality? There is a sense of like, as much as we can live in our minds in this energy a lot and like that seeking energy, there's also a very like practical piece of it where it's like, I believe this because it allows me to move forward in this way. Or, you know, I believe this because in the past, every time I believed the other thing, it never came through or it never helped me, never helped me move forward. It kept me stuck. 
And so there's a way of like making truth useful for you, not in a way where you're manipulating it, but where you're acknowledging what it is. Like it is what it is. We can say that something is working for so many years, like capitalism, you know, think about something like that. Like how, like, sure, yes, the status quo, but for who? And that's the kinds of things that I think are going to be coming up, but even on an individual scale, like maybe my family always said we do things in this order, but I don't want to, or like that doesn't work for me. Even if you're in the spiritual world, if you've been following along with someone's teachings for a long time and you still respect them, there's that respect piece that I was picking up on and what Emily was saying, where it's like, yeah, you can still respect them, but it doesn't mean you have to cut ties with someone just because you have a different belief. That's a Gemini thing for sure is like, both things can be true and you can still be kind to one another and move on and just keep going your direction. And that's again, where like that chariot energy kind of pushes in where it's like, you can still keep going. You can still coax things in the right direction. And maybe some people just don't keep up or don't continue on with you. But I do find it particularly interesting when we're talking about the higher pen, because it also is a traditional card of like marriage and commitment and contracts and that sort of thing. And I think we're halfway through the year here. We're really starting to, again, apply these truths, apply these perspectives to these things like relationships and communication that needs to happen and like conversations that need to happen and where that leads us for the rest of the year. And then when we go into the numerology of June and a year eight, it says creative new business opportunities develop very well under this month's power. It is also a month when the home features strongly. So give your domestic creativity every opportunity to express itself. It is a powerful month for buying or selling your home. And this feels like that questioning and changing and being open to new ideas. And like the more you vocalize these things, the opportunities can come in. If you're sharing like outwardly, like, you know what, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, or like, what if I tried this new thing? And then someone else hears you and says, I'll help you with that. Or like, I have a contact for you. That's also like a Gemini energy to me. And looking at, again, like this idea that I forgot that this was the, the energy and like thinking of like marriage and like all of these like commitments, it's like reevaluating those on like, where do I need to change in that energy? Because again, it's a five. And that is freedom and change. So there may be a lot of like that mid-year energy where you're like, okay, you know, the spring winter energy is gone and I'm now moving into summer. I'm moving into the light and I just want to not have to carry all of this extra stuff with me. What's going to help me be able to live my best life for the summer? That's <laughs> kind of how it's feeling. It's interesting as you were bringing that up and a lot of times in the U.S., June is sort of when the Supreme Court will release their big rulings and things like the end of May, somewhere in there. And being the fact that there's so much emphasis in marriage and in relationships, it'll be really interesting to see um, if they overturn same-sex marriage and some of these issues that we have. You know, we never in a million years thought we would lose our rights to abortion. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this year and if anything comes up in terms of that. Mercury is going to enter Gemini on the fourth. This is going to keep your mindset moving quickly. I always think when Mercury is at home in Gemini, it's like your brain is firing on all cylinders and you can't quite fall asleep at the end of the day because you're just busy, busy, busy in the head. 
Now, Mars will enter Taurus um, later in the month on the 20th. So that's going to calm your actions down a little bit. You'll feel a little more grounded and centered. Mercury enters Cancer on the 18th, um, followed by Venus. They actually move in together on the same day. This emphasis on family, on traditions, on home, on what is home, where do you feel comfort, what makes you feel comfort, all of these things will be front and present in your mindset, particularly during cancer season. And I always talk about those qualities of cancer being the same as the U.S., right? Our birthday is cancer season. So these are the things we value, you know, a good time together, playing games, love, reunions, the way things were, <laughs> that reminiscing energy that comes through. So take that time to really nurture yourself and fill your cup back up because you could probably by this point feel very exhausted. The sun will then enter the enter cancer on the 21st. This, of course, is solstice and the halfway mark of the year. And just to sort of finish out June, Saturn will station retrograde on the 30th. This is where our responsibilities will feel less about others and more about ourselves. This again is that hierophant energy of what can I do to make sure I am aligned with what I need moving forward. And it's not that the second half of the year is particularly shocking. I think in some ways that maybe we've experienced in April. We will have eclipses again in September and October, but we're going to be a little more familiar with the energy and we're going to have enough outer planets in retrograde that it's going to drive some of those changes internal and less external. So it is an exciting first six months. You know, we talk about gaining light and it is, I think, at the end of these six months, right, the Herophant and gaining light, gaining wisdom, gaining strength. All of these things really come into play, but to make sure you are in touch with your emotions and your boundaries and your network and team of support, all of those things will be really important. Yeah, I do feel that energy you were saying about how like this first six months is like very forward driven. There's a lot of movement happening. It's almost like when you get to the peak, it's again the, the Ferris wheel reference where it's like we're getting to the top there and then we're coming back down. And like, yes, there's still movement. There's still a chance we might get stuck. Lots of things can happen in that last little bit. But I think at least knowing we've been through a lot already. Um, I mean, 2023 has been wild. It's felt like a week, but also four years. I don't really know what's happened. So I feel like there's a lot of that where like we have been through so much in the last few years. And the fact that we're going into, you know, an eight year, a year of karma, there is positive things that are possible. But again, like you have to fight for that eight energy. You really have to push forward and be confident in yourself and what you've learned. We've been through this last seven year cycle, you know, and like you've gained so much in those seven years. And like they say, like the eight is the transformation. It's the turning point to see where you're going to end up when you get back into that ending and that peak again. So it's a pivotal year. Like I feel like eight is actually the most intense year. In both ways, positive and negative, right? The eight has two loops. It's like both directions. Like you may have to release something. Some things may come up that are less than pleasant, but it's making space so that when you get back on that Ferris wheel again, you hop back on, you're bringing the good stuff with you. And that's the energy you're going to be moving with into the nine year. 
It's interesting. I've been talking to Meg Bartlett over in Third Eye about, she does the dreams and dream interpretation. And we've been talking a lot about some of the imagery and things that people have been feeling coming into their dreams about what's going to come in 2024. And there is definitely a feeling of something happening that will drive us together in some way, will force us to look at each other in new ways with less decisiveness and more empathy. But what is it going to take to get us to that point, I think, is partly what we will experience in April. And yeah, it's going to be pivotal and transformational and you will have to seek your own balance. But we've done so much internal work, like you said, this year. And the stagnation at this point is feeling a little frustrating. So I think we're definitely ready for it. And, you know, we had the Beatles the last time that has happened. So maybe we'll get some really amazing music and some new things to unite us together. Maybe with the alien friends. Who knows? Who does know? I think AI is going to be in music. I think of it more. So maybe it'll create some new thing. But yeah, I do feel that energy of like, coming together and I think there is kind of chaos that has to happen in order for us to get there and the stagnation is real like as much as there's a lot happening it's things that have been going on for a long time it's not brand new problems that we're dealing with right now and I think that's why the karma energy feels so like like I keep saying heavy on the karma like there's the independence there's the wisdom and that's holding your own in the face of karma. It's like holding your own while all the chaos is happening. Because if you want to be part of the solution, you have to kind of at least be firmly planted in where you are. Because if you're getting carried away with it, you're not really part of the resistance. You're not part of the revolution if you're just flying along with it. So I think music and any big creative changes do come out of revolution. They do come out of these times. Like every time there's been a significant shift in the direction in film, movies, all of these things like music, it's usually art, especially art imitates life, right? And like art is change. So I, I do feel like there's going to be a lot of incredible art and powerful art that's going to move humanity forward. Because I think like what you were saying around we need something to unite us. I think art does that. And if people start making films and documentaries and things like this, using technology that helps them get them out faster, I think that can be part of that movement. That's what I've been feeling into when I feel into like a creative direction for this year, because there's always creativity happening. It doesn't come to a standstill. And I just feel like the technology and the revolution are going to come together. And that's what's going to unite people like social media and sharing clips of movies and things and getting them out there is how people gain knowledge and wisdom. So I'm feeling like it's going to be powerful in good and bad ways, but I think all forward moving. It doesn't feel like we're going back anymore. It's interesting that you bring that up about artwork and music, because, of course, Taurus rules the arts, similarly to Libra, but Taurus in particular with music and things. And we've had Uranus there, right, which is just rebellion and shaking things up. And it's really inspiring all sorts of new movements. And to have this Jupiter-Uranus conjunction, so they're literally on top of each other in the sign of Uranus, is going to be earth-shaking in some ways, very pivotal for arts and entertainment in so many ways. So yeah, it'll be exciting to see what comes out of it. And I just want to comment on what Emily said about how 
we might be surprised at who ends up being in power or having influence in this next year. And I think this whole topic of the arts leading a lot of like the public awareness of different things and different movements, I think we're going to be surprised that it might be like athletes, movie stars and uh, musicians, which they already do have a prominent role, but I think more of them are going to have to come together, kind of like what happened for the writer's strike, how a lot of them had to show up. Prominent artists had to show up because they have more influence. And I think that's going to happen with other social causes, too. I think that's what I, my prediction would be and the energy I'm feeling around it is that it's going to be people looking at their karma, being like, you know what, I make all this money because of people engaging with my content. So I need to be the one to stand up for that. I love that. That is exciting. And also we need someone with enough knowledge of what it takes to be on and in front of a camera and to speak eloquently and to filter themselves in appropriate ways as well. All of these things will be exciting. <laughs> I agree. I think it's all going to be an interesting ride, especially for those first six months, for sure, as we're gaining light. Well, we're excited to know what you, our listeners, think of this format. Is this better? Is this worse? Are you ready for the second half right away? Do you want us to hold off a few months until we give you the inviting shadow episode? Let us know. We love hearing from you. And let us know how this resonates. If you're excited for 2024 or if you are moving a little bit trepidatiously after the cards that were drawn, I think for both of us, we're ready for the change, ready for this number eight year. And we hope that you have an amazing first six months and we look forward to sharing more of our insights with you soon. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Things That Make You Go Woo. You can find out more about this episode and how to work with me at emilyandherstars.com or come join the incredible sacred community at thirdeyelibrary.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.